Good morning. Isn't God good? Come on, let's give God some praise, right? God is good. It's good to be here. Every moment is a gift from God. Every day, your mercies are new every morning, God. So thank you that you woke us up, God. Thank you for breathing life into us. And God, for those that have made a decision to say, yes, I'm throwing my stake into the ground. I'm following Jesus. I'm loving him with all my heart. God, we pray through this series, the good fight, God, that you will help us to see that our faith holding on to is something worthy, God. And I pray, Lord, for those around us here, God, in Mission Viejo and Saddleback Valley area that just maybe are lost, who don't know you, or maybe walked away from the faith, God, help us to take a sobering moment, Lord, that we have been called as agents of change to bring difference, to bring change, to bring life back into community again. God, we pray for our city. We love Mission Viejo. We love that you put us right here in South County. And God, we would love to see a huge revival sweep across this area. People coming back to Jesus, coming to you, Lord, coming back to the church, love coming back into the church, humility, power, the literal miracles, God, that we believe you have done and you desire to do. Help us, Lord, to be humble in everything that we ask. We believe, Lord, that you hear every prayer. So as we pray this prayer, send power, send fire, send change, God. I want so much for people to get delivered even this morning, God. And so we pray this now in the name of Jesus Christ, who we believe in. You died, you rose again, and we believe that, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. amen. Are you ready to go? I certainly am. I'm fired up. A new series totally excited about, I believe, God. I went away to the mountains about a couple months ago just to kind of plow out, God, where do you want me to speak? What do you want me to do, God, to teach your people to feed the sheep good food? I want to give you good food. And so um, this little book of Jude, we're going to walk through verses, only 25 verses. We're going to be here about six, seven weeks. It's a good book. Because Jude was a guy who wrote with absolute confidence and conviction, and he had decisiveness. I love that kind of leadership. This is where we're going. This is what God called us to do. Anybody wants to come along, let's go. And if you don't want to come, we hope that you'll come with us, right? So um, this book is so good. We'll get to it in just a second. I do want to say thank you. Thank you on behalf of our entire team here. Last week, Fall Fest as Pastor Scott mentioned, was just a huge success. And here's uh, a few reasons why. Um, as, as you probably heard when you came in, there was about 125 people that were new guests of NVCC. So I just want to say, you did a great job of inviting people. That's what it's about. And I always kind of feel like, you know, if I'm willing to invite a friend of mine, I invited my doctor. He happened to show up last Sunday. I'm hoping he's going to come back to second service. But anyway, anytime, you know, if you feel like you can invite somebody to a church, that tells me you're not embarrassed about your church. So that's good, right? And of course, we're not embarrassed about the Lord. God said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Even if you think I'm weird, if you think I'm crazy, you think I'm a fool, I'm still following Jesus, man. So um, great job on inviting people. I must, as equally as exciting was 200 of you volunteered to say, I will serve that Sunday. It was so cool walking around after services, both services, and I saw the name tags that you had, you know, volunteer. I saw smiles. I felt the love. And that's what pe people are looking for that in church. They, they're not wowed by the buildings. They're not wowed by all the things that we think People will get wowed about, although it's nice to have things in excellence, right? We want to do things first class. But I think what most people are looking for is genuine, real love. And, and you just, you just, you just who you are. And I just want to say it is such a privilege to be a part 
of such a wonderful church. So um, we had a few, deci- three, I think three decisions that at least I know of that people said, yes, I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. And that's just, that's just all worth it. Amen. Four, of, uh, four folks are going to be baptized right after second hour. Now, I know you first service folks, you're the spiritual crowd. You're up early in the morning. You're seeking the Lord, his presence. But I just want to ask you, please, if, if you stay for two services, would you please just um, you know, come outside? Because when we have these baptisms, and when we say baptism, that's just a code word in the Bible for meaning. These people have given their life to Jesus. They said, yes, I repent of my sins. I'm following Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. Save me, God. And that wonderful experience now expresses itself in water baptism. Why do we get baptized? Because Jesus did. And Jesus called us to do it. It's a representation of death. When they go down underwater, they come up out of that water. It's death to life. It's death and resurrection. And so it's such a powerful moment. So when I ask, please, please pray for these folks. As I'm going to talk about on Jude, there is a real devil, there is a real enemy, and he's after you. He's after this church. If he can do anything to disrupt your life, if there's anything he can do to discourage or divide us as believers, he'll do anything. I wish we had church members that worked as hard as the devil did. Well, I thought that would get some amens. I guess, you know, a few. He never stops. He's relentless. He hates God, and the best way he thinks he can get to God, which he never really can, is to get at his children, and that's why he's on a hot tail pursuit after you. So the question is, are you going to fight? Are you going to get in the ring? Are you going to fight? Are you going to stand your ground? Are you going to stand for truth? Now, I love movies. I just want to open this up because I was thinking all week long as I was preparing this message, what is one movie that captures what I think Jude, we're going to read verses 1 to 4 today, talks about contending for the faith it talks about not giving up it talks about fighting the good fight and so anybody remember this movie let's watch this for a second oh yes come on right In 1976, Sylvester Stallone wrote this script in three days. And it's simply about a punk fighter who was a club fighter, was basically nothing. He was a loser in his life in the streets of Philadelphia. And if you've seen the movie, it's just an incredible movie about how the story unfolds of someone who absolutely had nothing going for him. And he had one shot at the title. He's, if you haven't seen the movie, it's not really about boxing. It's really kind of a love story also. But I love the fact that it's just about not giving up. And he had one shot at the heavyweight title of the world. Apollo Creed gave him one shot. And it wasn't so much about winning. He didn't even want to win the fight. All he wanted to do was to remember, go the distance. He wanted 15 rounds because no one could ever have gone 15 rounds with the heavyweight champion of the world. And that's what he did. I love it because there's something that's gritty about this movie. It's about going the distance, contending. It's about the underdog having absolutely no shot in the world. Yet God saw something. I, 
I believe, uh, as I kind of did some background uh, reading about how he came about this movie, he was Catholic in faith, Sylvester Stallone, and it was really written about his life. He wasn't a boxer, but it was a story about his life, how he grew up, thought he was nothing, and God gave him one shot. The movie actually was made for $900,000. It's amazing. And then it won Best Picture. Why I like it so much is because verse 3 of Jude, if you have your Bibles, open up to Jude chapter 1. It's just one little chapter, 25 verses. But the whole book, the whole letter when Jude writes this is encapsulated in one verse. Dear friends, are we all among friends here? Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share. Anybody happy about that? We are saved. We're going to heaven. All the chaos in the world and lack of truth and lack of understanding and lack of love now. And everybody's got their own camps. I'm so grateful that we share the salvation that God gave us through the grace of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for that? Now, because of this, I felt compelled. Can I just stop here for a second? That when Jude wrote this, this was not an academic experience. This was not all about head knowledge. I know that some of us are very intelligent, smart people. We live here in South County. We have the degrees. And not everything is life in life is processed through here, although it's good to have sound mind and sound judgment. But some things are processed through the heart. Some things are felt. We feel what God is doing. Rick Warren said a wonderful thing about 20 years ago. He said 80% of people who go to church are looking to feel God. Why? Because we want to know that, God, you're real in my life. And he wrote this saying, I felt compelled I couldn't stop writing. I, I, I couldn't get it out of my mind. You ever have God give you something and you just couldn't stop thinking about it? You've been on my mind. MVCC, you've been on my mind. I've, we've been praying for you. You're so dedicated because we feel compelled. The power of prayer is so real. Is so. I believe God's access to do what he wants to do on earth when his people pray. That's why we dedicated Tuesday morning to prayer. Every Tuesday morning, our pastors get together, not to talk, not to capitulate, not to theorize, but to simply cry out to God for our people here at MVCC, that God, we would be found faithful to you. It's a compelling thing. That's why we're doing Wednesday night. We, we, we canceled last Tuesday night prayer night, but this week we're going to have Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. It's called Seek Week. We're just gathering all the churches who want to come in Mission Viejo for one reason, to pray and to worship God. Seven o'clock. I hope you'll come because there's something dynamic that happens when we pray. When God's people get serious about being on our knees and crying out to him. And God, I will not stop, God, until you answer. God comes. God answers. That's what this, this flavor, this passion that Paul, or I'm sorry, Jude wrote about. We got all this chaos in the world. Nero is creeping into Christianity. He's killing Christians. He's ordering his soldiers to put them in prison. What are we going to do? We're freaking out. The Christians didn't know what to do. And Jude simply says this. I felt compelled to write to you and urge you, urge you to what? To contend for the faith. To contend for truth. You hold on to truth. You know Believer, if you've come to Jesus Christ, you know what truth is. And I know there's a lot of pressure out there in the world. It's hard to find truth out there in the world. Would you agree? The faith once for all. Christianity was given one time for everybody. There's not going to be any new messages. 
There's not gonna be any new prophets. There's not gonna be the Bibles that you guys hold in, we hold in our hand. There's not going to be new scriptures, new revelations written down that are so-called from God. That's just absolutely a lie. It's all about the enemy who's a deceiver and a liar. I, I, this message, this, these, these series messages are gonna be tough, but I want you to dive in with me because it's worth hearing the truth. And God, how do I contend for the truth? I hope in the next 20 minutes, it'll be so simple, so clear, that God gave us away. So, 25 little verses. It has once been said that the church, meaning us, should be the moral compass of society. And that's hard. Would you agree? Satan has tried to do one thing, and that is to suppress the truth. He does not want the church to move, to be convicted, to hold on to truth. He wants there to be so much confusion about what truth is. I did a little digging. I'm always um, intrigued with a guy named Barna. If you're interested, uh, Barna Research Corporation or um, company, he basically writes books. He always searching, does surveys across America on what do Christians, what do people really believe? And here's what he found about truth and what Americans really believe. One out of three, watch this now. This was shocking to me. One out of three call themselves Christians. Only one out of three believe in absolute truth. Today, Christians, people who say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Only 43% of Americans believe in absolute truth. Four out of 10 adults said that God is absolute truth. You wanna know what our teens are thinking from 13 to 18? I know you guys are gonna, you guys write this down, make a mental note of this. This is what students today believe. Only 17% of teens believe there is absolute truth now. 83% of moral truth, they say, is based on subjectivity, how I feel, what the circumstance is. Then I'll decide what truth is. Age 20 to 30, 31%, only 31% age 20 to 30 believe that there is an absolute truth in our world. 16% believe that that is based on the uncertainty, meaning we will decide what truth is after we decide what the circumstance is. 5% hold true America based on tradition and 4% based it on public consensus. What does everybody else think? What does everybody else feel? What's everybody else saying? So why is this so important? Because Jesus said in John 17, or I'm sorry, John 8, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So when Jude says, I want you to contend for the faith, I want you to hold on to your faith. I want you to hold on to truth. Why did he say that? Why was it so important? Why was he compelled? Why did he write, I felt urge, I had this urging in me to tell you to not give up? Because we would feel probably like giving up. It's hard to stand for the truth. We lose friends, we may lose position, We may lose some family members. We may lose influence. We may lose some things that we think are really dear to our heart. But I want to encourage you, no matter what the situation is, as long as we are pleasing God, as long as we are holding true to the faith that he gave us, everything will be fine. So what is truth? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So truth is, is found in a person, the person of God. If Jesus Christ really is who he said he is, 
if he really is the son of God, God in flesh, he's deity, born of the Virgin Mary, died on the cross, physically rose again, going to physically return one day, and I'm looking for that day, Lord. I'm looking for that day. If he is who he said he was, and he says, I am all truth, then everything he said is true. Right? Now, I know that sounds, okay, cool. Can we go watch football now? We're done, right? But there are two colanders, I call them colanders of, in, the, in the Bible. One colander we call the essentials, okay? Then there's the non-essentials, the other colander here that we can decide which scripture we're going to put those into. Where churches get in trouble or believers get in trouble is we take all the essentials. There are certain essentials we're not moving on. Okay, the Bible's the word of God. Jesus is who he said it was, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the inerrancy, the word of God. Uh, Holy Spirit indwells in every believer. We are basically all sinners saved by God's grace. If we receive Christ, he's the only way to salvation. Those, we're, not, we're not moving off that. And it was, someone can't come in here and say, Pastor Mike, can I teach a class on the theoretical discussion of whether or not there are five or six or seven gods, or maybe Jesus really isn't the only way? No. Nope. I don't want to be rude about that, but I just want you to know as your pastor, as our pastoral team, we're very firm on protecting you. My job is to help protect the flock. And that's not always an easy thing. We love the pictures of Jesus when he's holding the the lamb on his shoulders. What we didn't see behind the scenes is Jesus once in a while has to break the legs of the sheep so that they stop running away or stop taking others astray. That's all in love. And, and what I want to say about those two areas here is we've got to be absolutely sure of what truth is and what we believe. Make sense? Now, the non-essentials here are taking communion every Sunday. I'll just give you some examples. Speaking in tongues, a color of carpeting, how many parking spots are we going to have? Are we going to have a church building? Are we going to meet in homes? Those are what we call the non-essentials. And we just agree to disagree. That's why there should be, in Bible churches, so much love between Methodist, Presbyterian, Calvary Chapel, Baptist, Christian Church, Saddleback Church. We, sh- we should all love one another because we believe those essentials, even though some other churches do something a little different and they're wrong. <laughs> I just want to see if you're awake. That's not, I don't believe that. We don't have the corner on everything here at MVCC. We, we're, we're trying our best. But my, my, my point is this, is we have to be absolutely sure of what the truth is. And the truth is found in a person of Jesus Christ who's God. These other things, we just go, oh, okay, we just agreed it. Have you found in the last, like, I don't know about you, but the last 10 years, drive, it's, this has been driving me nuts. We can't even have a healthy political discussion without somebody getting up and leaving. It used to be we could have these discussions and different opinions about all kinds of things. For whatever reason, it has changed, hasn't it? Which really has darkened, I believe, the opportunities or squelched the opportunities that we have to share the truth. Because the minute somebody hears something that they don't agree with, I'm out. And that's where I think we either make a decision I'm going to press on and press forward. I'm going to continue to love this person. I'm going to continue to not move off of the convictions that are true. But I'm still going to love you. I'm not leaving. You can freak out, but I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Gosh, I, I wish we could get back to that. That's, that's the whole premise of this book here. It was written in 68 AD by a guy named Jude, who actually was the half-brother of Jesus. James was mentioned here. We're going to read in the first few verses. That would have been tough, being Jesus' brother. Would you agree? <laughs> 
Mary saying, why can't you be more like Jesus, right? <laughs> it's interesting that the other references in the gospels, Jesus's brothers, which were born after Jesus, um, many of them did not believe. His family did not believe until later in life. And this is one of them. He wrote, penned the very words of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is a sharp letter. There's some condemnation in here for those that infiltrate themselves in the body of Christ, in the, in the church, and they run havoc among other believers by false teaching or by pride and hypocrisy, and they start little camps. That's just, that's just, that's just not on our radar. And so Jude is very, very clear about that. He calls himself a bond servant. A bond servant in the Greek is doulos. Doulos means I choose to be a slave. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not required to be a servant. I'm choosing to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And I love this guy, Jude. The more that I'm reading these tiny little book, I mean, you can read the whole book in like five minutes. I, I'm falling in love with this guy and the passion that he has because everything he writes is about protecting the faith. Hold on to the faith. Stay true to the faith. Stay true to Jesus Christ in a world that's falling away. You know, the Bible talks about a great falling away. And can I just say, out of this pandemic, there's been a lot of falling away that have unfortunately happened in the middle of all that. And then we're seeing this resurgence, I believe, of the, the purity of faith. People who really are coming back, I really want Jesus. And I'm not leaving Jesus. And I, I, am, I am here, I am all in. I sense it, I feel it. I, it's just, the church is different now. Filled with people who really want to follow Jesus. Filled with people who are saying, I'm on board with you. I'm not getting out of the boat. I'm not saying everything's perfect. I'm not saying we're the perfect church. I'm just saying, unless there's the Holy Spirit power in us, and when we gather together, there's such strength in that, and we can take on anything that the world throws at us. So let's read the text, verses one to four. Short verses today, but they're chock-filled with truth. Jude, who we said is a half-brother of Jesus, a servant of Jesus Christ, and a brother of James. James also was a half-brother of Jesus, so he's just talking about his family. The reason that we love this guy and the reason that we know him to be true and humble is because he could have written, Jude, the brother of Jesus. But he didn't do that because he wants to be humble, right? He's a slave, servant, doulos, by choice, Right? And a brother of James, I am writing to all who have been called, keyword here, by the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. So dear friends, we're all family here. We're all friends. We should be friends, right? We should all get along. I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we share Not the one that, well, I hope someday I'm saved. We are saved. The minute you gave your life to Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, what he did for you, it's done. Well, I thought we'd get everybody standing and cheering on that one, Lord. Okay. Now, I found that I must write about something else. Urging you to contend. Going the distance. Going the 15 rounds. It's not how we start. It's how we finish our faith, right? For the faith that God has entrusted. He's entrusted the gospel to us once for all to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly, and I know we don't like this, 
but this is what we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to come to grips with the truth, right? I say this, some ungodly people have wormed, I like that word the way the New Living Translation says it, have wormed their way in to your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live in immoral lives. I just want to stop here for a second and just call it out for what it is. By the way, when I talk about this and we teach on this, we're not judging. We haven't condemned any soul. I want you to be aware that anybody who comes to you, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Praise the Lord, brother. I give all my money to the Lord. I I praise him. I pray in tongues. I got all these gifts we see. I, I love the Lord Jesus. And they're off cheating on their wives. Oh, they're off stealing money. And I'm not talking about slipping and falling because we all slip and fall. What I'm saying about that is that there's an intentionality. Well, I'm just going to live the way life I want to live and I'll play this dual game. And I'll just slither into the church because that's how the enemy works, isn't he? That's how he does it. Jesus talked about the wheat and the tares. Lord, why do you allow... Why do you allow the tares to grow so close to the wheat? Don't we have to yank them out? God says, that's my business. You live your life. Let's start with Mike first. You live your life in such a way that light shines. Not in pride, not me. It's all Jesus through me. It's all Jesus through us. That it so brings conviction on the person, not you, Pastor Scott, but that empty... (laughs) empty, we don't have any of these people in our church right now, but if, if we, we're, we're, we're going to just use the empty spot. It so convicts that person because you're so good, you're so kind, you're forgiving, you're patient, and you're not moving off the truth, Christian. It so convicts them to change. Okay, so in, in this, it doesn't mean that all these people are condemned. It doesn't mean they're lost. There's no hope for them. As long as somebody's breathing, there's hope for their soul. All right, so... The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Did Judas have a chance to come back? Absolutely. I wish he would have. Did Peter have a chance to come back after denying even knowing Jesus for three, three opportunities? Of course he did. Everybody has a chance. Everybody deserves a chance. And unfortunately, some have slipped in and they are among us. Look to your right, to the left. No, don't do that. They praise God on Sunday, but they lie, they cheat, they steal, they're hypocritical living. A lot of this comes from a thing called Gnosticism, which was prevalent in that day. Gnosticism was kind of a funny word back in the day that just means new age, kind of a new age kind of religion. The Gnostics believed that we could know God by knowledge. And they also believe if there is a God, there's no way that a God who's perfect could come down to earth and be on earth. That was the general thought process of Gnosticism. So then what they did is they started coming into the churches, the house churches, and they said, that Jesus Christ guy? No, time out. He never could have come because God could never come to a sin-infested place like this. God cannot be in the form of any kind of matter because this is a sin-infested world and he is perfect. So it was throwing a lot of confusion into the believers. And that's why he's saying, I need you, Christian. I need you, Christ follower, to hold on, contend for the faith. Hold on to what you know to be true. Because there will be people through the enemy who will come after you. 
Romans 1.25 says they exchanged, meaning believers who were in the church, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. These are people that knew the truth of God and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. So with evil intention, they come in cunning, crafty. They may even seem charismatic. They may draw people to themselves. Everybody wants to listen to them, but they're corrupt in their thinking. They have left the Lord, but they're still in the church trying to infiltrate and bring disruption to the work of God. Their goal is to divide and conquer, to get us so off-focused on your life and our, our mission here of real love on mission, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ and making disciples who make disciples. He wants us to get so off-focus of that that we lose our purpose for why we, we are here. So, there's, aren't you so glad you came this morning? It's good to know, right? We have to know this stuff. But what's the three things here that God wants us to know? I want you to know, number one, we are called. He said that, didn't he? Verse one, you and I are called. I want you to think back for a minute. When did Jesus Christ call you to follow him? I don't mean call you into ministry or call you to do something. I just want you to remember, when was it that Jesus called on your heart? This I want you to come follow me. I died for you. I love you. I'm covering all of your sin. If you just receive me, I will forgive you of everything you've ever done wrong. I want you to go back to that moment and remember that he called you. It might have been a harvest crusade. It might have been a Billy Graham crusade. It might have been a church service. It might have been sitting at Denny's with somebody and someone was pouring out their heart about how Jesus changed their life and you said, yes, I want that. Or maybe you got so low from the addiction or problems or confusion, you were at the end of your rope and you said, Jesus, I need you. You remember that moment? I I want you to keep that in the forefront of your mind because God or Satan can never take that away from you. You and I are called by the Holy Spirit, man. He calls us. You know when your phone rings and you see the person calling? You have a decision to make, don't you? Am I going to pick up or let it go to voicemail when I can figure out how am I going to get into this conversation? I need to think through this before I call back, right? Thank God God doesn't have voicemail. When he sees our name ringing, I cry out to you, God. There's so many scriptures about he hears the cries of our heart. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's it's not a formula. It's not you have to do these five things. You're crying out to Jesus, save me. I need you. I've been wrong. I repent. Man, give us some of that old school repentance back in the church again. We fall on our faces before God at the altar and say, God, I've completely messed this up. I thought I was the Christian that that you wanted me to be. I realized, God, that without heaping coals on our head, but just coming to the fact that, God, I am so far away from you, I want more, God, of you. Less of me, more of you. And I know this is hard stuff, but Lord, whatever you need to do in my life, you have full reign. If it brings me closer to you, if it brings me closer to the presence, I'm willing, God. That was Jude. That's how we wrote. Remember, you are called by God. And nobody can take that away from you. He pulled you in. He got your attention, didn't he? 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, but you are a chosen people. You are, some versions say, you are a peculiar people. Royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, I know we all didn't have Leave It to Beaver lives. By the way, for you young people, that was a black and white TV show about everything was like perfect in the home. It wasn't a Brady Bunch. Okay, now I know what you're talking about, Brady Bunch, Partridge Family. Life is not like that. I know that even in this room, there's some trauma, there's some hurt, there's some pain. There's even some wrestling and struggling like, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? I I understand all that, meaning that I understand pain. Jesus, most importantly, he understands that. And he wants you to know, even through all of the terrible, horrible things, I called you. Wow. First Thessalonians 2.14 says, he called you through the gospel. Well, I was on a mountain and I saw Jesus in the trees. Really? You have to be careful of that stuff because that doesn't mention in my Bible. Through the gospel, Jesus died, he rose again. It really happened that you might share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 3.14, I press on toward the goal, win the prize for which God has called you and I heavenward. Second Timothy 1.9 says, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace has given us by Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. Second thing he says out of these tiny little verses is he says, we are loved. Oh my gosh. I think I just need to hear that every day. Everybody's searching, looking, longing for unconditional love, aren't we? There's nothing wrong with that. That's how we were wired. The only difficulty is when we start going to people for those things. When we go to a husband, when we go to a wife, when we go to a girlfriend, we go to a boyfriend, we go to some special friendship, and we're thinking we're going to get all that validity, all that sustenance from a person. You know, it's like, as I've been there before, it's like going down to an empty well. It doesn't work. It's a false god. False gods prove themselves true by being false. Question, how many of us are tired? Anyone here tired? I just want to remind you that God understands and he is madly in love with you. Romans 8 says it all. Can anything ever separate us from the love of God? Does it mean no longer he loves us if we have trouble or calamity, persecution, hungry, hunger, destitute, danger, threatened by death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus who loved us. And then Paul goes on to say, man, I'm convinced. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Death nor life, angels, demons, fears, today, worries about tomorrow, not even powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky, above, below, indeed nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Every time I read that, the word nothing, nothing can separate you. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love. And that, I don't know about you, but that makes me want to run to him. I'm drawn to him. And of course, the third one he writes here in verse one is we are kept. When you hold something tightly in your hand, 
nobody can open up your hand as long as you keep it as tight as you possibly can. In the same way God holds you in his hand, nothing can, nothing can steal your life out of the hand of God. How do we know that? Because John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. I think I need to read that again because Pastor Mike, sometimes I feel like, God, where are you? Are you keeping me in your care? No one will snatch them out of my hand. Psalm 121.5, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade and always at your right hand. So why the three? Called, loved, kept. What's the point of this? Why are we, why are we having 10 minutes to discuss all this? Because this is why you hold on. This is why you hold on to the truth. It's not because well, we feel it or because we were raised that way or it's a good thing to do. I like what Jude said. We urge you to contend, fight, go the distance. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep living for truth. Stand up for what you believe in. Don't have to do it arrogantly. You don't have to do it with pride. It's simply doing it with humility and love. And when, when Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter four by the devil for 40 days. It's a long time to go without food. See, early on in my Christianity, I wasn't taught that if you've been told God won't allow difficulties, you've been, I've been lied to. The favor of God only rests on good times. I've been lied to. Jesus was led by the Spirit into this temptation. Three big ones. We don't have time to get into all this. But after 40 days, I'm learning. I don't have to post all this stuff to prove all this stuff. How about we just live? Right? Jesus lived it. Every time the enemy attacked, every time Gosh, that doesn't sound right to me. Wait a second. Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this podcast. Wait, something's not right here. What do we do to hold on to the truth? So, we have to go back to this. This is it. That's why Jesus said three times, it is written, devil, it is written. Jesus also said the second time, it is also written, because he wanted to make sure that the enemy knew, I know. And this is, the, this is the scary thing, is that the enemy was throwing scripture at Jesus. Isn't that how he operates? He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He will give you scripture, and he will twist it. And unless I know this, I will be taken captive. Listen, I love, please don't get me wrong, I love that you're here. I love that hopefully you're getting some good food every Sunday you come here, whether it's, you know, whoever preaches here on Sunday, I hope it's good food for you. But I cannot rely on once a week. It's too, it's too difficult out there. There are too many other contenders for this faith to destroy it, to disrupt you, to make us look bad, to discredit us. So unless I know this, and I'm not saying, now you got to go home and read Genesis all the way to Revelation and never stop. I'm just saying, put yourself in an atmosphere where you are regularly, I am regularly in the word. What's one of the best ways to do that? Together. That's why life groups are so important here. We so believe in life groups. Life groups are small group of people that get together around the word. 
not to talk about how we, it's to talk about the word. It's this, Lord, how are we going to live for you? How can we encourage each other? How can we pray for each other? How can we also lovingly pull one another over when someone's going down the wrong road? That's love. Life groups are the place that we get connected to the word and to one another. Remember Jesus said, you shall know the truth, John 8. And the truth will what? Set you free. Truth about Jesus. We went over that. Truth about God. But here's the last part of this and then we're done. The truth about myself. Ooh, we don't like that. There are some mornings I don't want to look at myself in the mirror. It's scary when I wake up. I guess there's four or five of us only. If I'm walking by a mirror, sometimes if I've had too many carbs last week and I'm feeling my, my pants a little bit, t- I don't want to look at myself. If, if I'm getting back into the weight room at 24 Hour Fitness and there's mirrors everywhere and I see someone who's much, much more muscular than I am, I don't like looking at myself. And that's a perpetuation that can move down into my spiritual life. If I never take a look at myself, not, not focus on self, but glancing at myself, I'll never know where I need to change. One of my favorite back in the day is um, superheroes was Superman. He's cool. Well, Batman's my favorite, but I like Superman. There's one thing about Superman, and most of us know here, it's a little thing called kryptonite. As soon as kryptonite creeps its way into an arena where Superman is, he loses all power. Now, I don't know about you, but there are certain things I, 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 can, I, can, be, I can feel so strong when you, one of you comes to us as a pastors on team, and you come to us and say, I've got this problem, and you're in tears, and I don't know what I'm going to do. We can get in there with you and just, come on, we're going to grab onto hope. Let's pray. Jesus, come on. I know you can do this. It's easy to do that. I don't know why. It's like the Holy Spirit just takes over. But when something happens to me, I feel like it's kryptonite. I'm paralyzed. I don't know why that is. I I don't know what it is. All I know it is, all I know is that I need to be aware and not so self-confident that I miss this is an area, God, that you want to work out in me. Maybe I am afraid of dying. Christians aren't supposed to say that because we're not afraid of death. But I'm afraid of how I'm going to die, when I'm going to die. And if I'm not aware of my weaknesses and the kryptonite, that the enemy might just roll into my life. Because why? He infiltrates himself, going back to the text, through somebody who even might be called a brother or sister. I want you to hold on to truth. I want you to hold on to your faith. And I want you to be able to communicate, communicate truth to people in love, sincerity, authenticity, but yet with confidence. Does that make sense? Way back in the day, there was a leader. I'll just finish this. I think we have a picture of him on the screen. World War II. He was victorious. 
Britain was victorious over Germany. Some of you history students, you know about all this probably better than I do. And one of the reasons I believe, because this man, Winston Churchill, was strong, he was decisive, and he was confident. You hear some of the speeches, right, that he gave? It was told that he got invited after his uh, uh, prime ministership was over. Uh, he was invited to speak at a college graduation. All these wide-eyed students just got their degrees. They got their whole lives ahead of them. And of course, these if you've been to a graduation speech, some of them go on and on and on. So he's always been characterized with a top hat and a stogie. He was invited to speak. He walks up on the platform, thousands of people. He walks up to the platform, takes off his hat, puts it on the podium, takes the stogie out of his mouth, puts it on the rear of the podium, looks at everybody in that staunch, unwavering stature. Never. Never. Never give up. Walk back, put his stogie in his mouth, put the hat on, walked off the stage. Walked back up. Never, never, never give Lord, we thank you for Jude, such a writer long ago, 2,000 years ago. Thank you, Lord, that he gave us truth through your Holy Spirit, Lord. In our world, Lord, you know all the chaos better than we do. You knew all this that was going to happen. And God, it's our desire to be able to, as the word tells us, contend, to fight for, even to struggle to hold on to your truth and the truth about ourself. God, it's also our desire to have a heart, compassion and love for people who are lost without you. And I pray that you will at MVCC, God, that you will equip us to communicate that truth in love. So many people, Lord, it almost feels God overwhelming, but we know that you loved us one at a time. And so our prayer, Lord, is that you would put us in the pathway of people this week who just need truth in love. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.